Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, homies? It's your boy Z Dog MD. I am live and direct at Z Studios, and today I have a very special guest. I'm telling you, Dr. Sorab Jha, Associate Professor of Radiology at University of Pennsylvania, right here in the U.S. and a Dr. Jha. How you doing, brother? Very well, thank you, Zidane. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> your accent implies that you are not American. I'm trying my best. You're trying your best. <laughs> You're from Great Britain originally? Yes, I grew up there and I went to medical school there. And for what? reasons unbeknownst, I jumped ship. Wow, so you've worked in the national health system NHS in Britain and trained there and then came here and now you're associate professor of radiology at, at an academic, major academic center in, on the East Coast. So you've spanned both worlds. And I think that's what makes you the most interesting guest we've had since, uh, have we had another interesting guest, Tom? Huh? Uh, there was that one guy who, who did that thing. Oh, that guy. Yeah, no, he wasn't very interesting. <laughs> so this idea then that, that you can help us here in the U.S understand this great sort of cataclysmic misunderstanding between US doctors and British doctors. And each of them thinks the other is crazy, uh, uh, crazy and, and probably idiotic. Is that true or is that a misunderstanding? Well, I think uh, there is some exaggeration of both systems. So a lot of people in the UK find it very difficult to understand how system where you get paid fee for service can you actually balance your um, duty towards your patient and yet not be influenced by the financial elements of it? And on the opposite side, when you look, when you speak to a lot of physicians here, uh, particularly those that have a libertarian and conservative bent, um, they believe that when you're working in a state system like the National Health Service, you're somehow drawn towards some sort of greater good, some utilitarianism as opposed to the patient. And I think. Both are largely exaggerated. That's not to say that we're not really influenced by systems and incentives. It means that at an individual decision-making level, at the level of the patient, it's probably not as much as people think. Yeah. And for most part, people are doing, trying to do what they think is in the best interest of the patient. Now, what you just said, trying to do what's in the best interest of the patient, I think that's where a lot of the misunderstanding comes from. So the first thing I want to talk about is the Bawa Garba case, which we did a show on earlier based on an article you wrote. You were also associate editor for the healthcare blog, correct? Yes, I am an opinionated opinionator. <laughs> it, and I got to say, ZPAC, if you haven't checked this out, we'll put in links to his articles. 
He is a tremendous philosopher, writer, ethicist, and communicator uh, in, the, in the written word in a way that we should all kind of admire how you're able to do that. And when I read your piece on Dr. Bawa Garba, uh, I was immediately taken that here was a junior doctor, a trainee in, the Great, uh, in Great Britain in the NHS system, learning how to, basically the equivalent of a resident physician, upper level resident physician here in the US, who uh, through a series of, of, of medical uh, misadventures ended up being present at the uh, unfortunate death of a patient, a young uh, child of sepsis. And what ultimately came of that was she was actually accused of a criminal act and convicted and stripped of her ability to practice medicine and continue as a practicing physician in Great Britain. Did I do that justice in terms of? No, I think that was very well summarized. And what the case shows, the broader thing over here, is that junior doctors in England pretty much run the National Health Service. They run it? They pretty much run it. Yeah. To the extent that it's very hard to understand unless you've actually worked there. I'll give you one example. So before I did radiology, I did surgery for a few years, and a few years. Yes. Oh my God, you are a sucker for punishment. I know, I know. Uh, somehow, then I saw the light or the darkness. <laughs> but in my second year of training, if one would call that training, we had to do um, emergency room uh, medicine, ER medicine. So I did ER medicine at King's College Hospital in London. It was one of the largest um, trauma centres in London, and between midnight and eight in the morning, running the emergency room were two senior house officers, me and this other chap, um, and we were essentially making the critical decisions. And so anytime the trauma alert, the ATLS alert would go off, we'd say, thank God, because now you know the rest of the hospital will come and march in and we'd be relieved. Anytime we'd have an acute LVF, or you know, a STEMI would think, oh God, thank God, because at least now it's obvious what to do. But there were lots, lots of gray zones, and there were lots of sort of you know, the mild presentations, the vague chest pains, the vague abdominal pains. And uh, this was in the era before you could just get CT scans that willingly. And we were making those decisions, and it wasn't as if this was out of any goodwill. It's the way the NHS had to run, because there just simply weren't enough attendings mm. covering emergency rooms at the time. And I'm not talking about the 50s. I mean, I don't want to reveal my age. I'm talking about um, you know, the year 2000, 2001. Um, so not that long ago. Now things have changed, so there are a lot more ER attendings in the UK. But at that time, it was run by senior house officers. And I actually had a year of house, office, house jobs and six months as I was an SHO in ICU and cardiac surgery. So actually, I had some experience under my belt. But a lot of people came straight from their house jobs, and they were like in this position. And so what's actually happened, the NHS is one, you know, I, I admire it, not simply because I trained in it, I admire it because of its ethos, mm. because, you know, it delivers, you know, uh, it delivers more than what it takes in resources. But there's a way it does that, and it does that largely on the backs of two, two very much unsung heroes, one being the junior doctors, mm. and second being foreign doctors. Ah, yes. So uh, international medical graduates right, who come international to international medical graduates who come, yeah. who come and stay in dead-end positions ah. so that they never become uh, consultants or attendings. Ah. But the junior doctors, and it's a pyramidal system, so there are many more senior house officers, or there used to be, than there are registrars, which is like a notch above. Not above. 
And then there's a sort of a one-to-one -one relationship between the registrar and the consultant. And so the, what you would, what you would uh, think that an attending ER physician does over here, we did as senior house officers straight mm. from the house job without any particular training. Mm. Um, and that would be unthinkable now, but the scale is still the same. So whilst you have junior doctors running the show, and you know the public getting a good financial deal out of it, nine percent of GDP right. for healthcare versus nineteen percent here. But then now the flip side is when they make a mistake, the blame comes on them. This is kind of you know your typical lose lose situation. Lose lose. At least if you're going to make them run the system, give them some protection. Support them. Yeah, give them vicarious liability where if something happens, because an error is going to happen. We've mm. all made errors. That's what really kind of drove a shiver down my spine with, with Dr. Bawa Garba, is I could actually see myself doing exactly what she uh -huh. did. Yeah, me too. And I thought, my God, you know, you might have been, I might have been just one step away from such a charge. Yeah, be, 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 being in court, defending yourself right. from criminal action. Right. right. And so... So I, I, I think that the NHS, or rather, you know, the leaders in the NHS, they've been a bit unfair to junior doctors, extracting, you know, their pound of flesh without giving them any resuscitation on the other side. Now, the public, but the public sort of sphere of how they perceive the medical profession is a little bit different in mm -hmm. Great Britain, right? So they see the doctors maybe more as pillars of public service, uh, as an institution. And so if an individual fails the institution, they're bringing disrepute to the institution and need to be punished. Is that correct? Or? That's certainly how the General Medical Council views it. The GMC, the that's GMC the sort of views governing. It, yeah. Yeah. They view any mistake as, you know, you have to make a song and dance about it. It's like, you know, in the old days where you had to have an execution. Now, I'm not saying it's like an execution, but- We need to bring those yeah. days back, right, Logan? <laughs> yeah. The Marka. point of public execution is to make the other person realize, look, this is not going to go down well if you make a mistake. Yeah. But the, what, what I don't think the public understand is that the term junior doctor is not like a junior pilot. I mean, these are still people that are in training. There are still people that are accruing experience, learning from the book. I mean, we used to carry the Oxford Handbook of Clinical Medicine. This was before the days of the Palm Pilot. Yeah. And you know, be you know, shuffling through pages, looking at the index, depending on what emergency you thought the patient had. Um, and I suspect, I left medicine to go into radiology, but I suspect there comes a time you don't do that because you've accrued enough experience. Now, the American system is quite scientific, or rather rigorous in that regard, in that there is graded responsibility. Mm. It's not as if you never get to make decisions, but you do right. so in a manner that is graded, that is reflective. So I find it very difficult to tell American residents that you're actually quite lucky. And they look at me, oh, you think that we're lucky being underpaid and working 80 to 90 hours a week. I said, yes, you're lucky because you have structure in your training. This idea of actually having a morning report at seven in the morning, um, grand rounds where you have protected time, two hours of you know, teaching, this is very much of an American system. You know, and this was one of the lures that got people from England to come over here, is that you knew that when you had, training was brutal, but you would be trained. Yeah. And in, in England, it's long, it's dispersed in some ways. Yes, you get to make a lot of decisions. So that element is pretty good in that you become decisive. You learn very quickly how to examine an acute abdomen because at least in those days you didn't have CT scans. Mm -hmm. So you learned the Rolfsing sign, for instance, mm -hmm. which, and, uh, and um, you know, made those distinctions because you had to. Um, but 
that was kind of on-the-job, yourself motivated mm, training. Mm. That's very different to a structured training which the Americans have. Do, do you think so with Bawa Garba, here she is, she does her thing, she makes this error, her consultant physician, Riordan, is sort of AWOL, uh, kind of throws her, and again, you don't have to agree or disagree with this, throws her under the bus, um, goes to Ireland, and she's hung out to dry, gets convicted, and suffers this you know, horrible, basically, uh, process, all for something that in America we would have, you know, these mistakes happen. We would have been supported. We would have gone to morbidity, mortality rounds. We would have processed it. Whereas she writes it down in her journal, and, and, is, and I know it was more complicated than that, and it's, some of this stuff is used in court. And do you think some of this was just how the system is set up in Great Britain? It, it really just disfavors junior doctors, doesn't protect them? Do you think there was a racial component that she was also one of these foreign medical uh, doctors? Uh, from my understanding, she actually trained in the UK, but mm. as far as the um, racial component is concerned, I think that there are enough cases of um, white doctors being hard done by the General Medical Council mm. that I, I think that if, if race has something to do with it, it, won't, it certainly won't protect you in the UK. Mm. When the GMC comes down on you, I don't think it's So you're matters. saying even Tom, who on the scale of white privilege measures unmeasurably high, he could get in trouble in Absolutely. the UK. Wow. I'm so white, I'm egalitarian. <laughs> or rather dysfunctional in some ways. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think the issue there was that um, there is, well, firstly, the medical legal system there isn't as flush with cash as it is over here. Mm. And again, to, to kind of laud the American legal system seems like, you know, almost uh, uh, parody. But the one thing about being flush with cash is that you know, a lot of... Uh, cases, they don't go to criminal court. Mm -hmm. They get settled. They get civil, settled outside, yeah. yeah. And it's a 4852 decision, but that's fine. You know, money mm -hmm. is being paid. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, that mechanism is lost. The second thing is that in England, uh, the actual um, decision-making authorities, uh, they don't own any risk. Mm -hmm. So when, and this is not just simply them shirking their job. The structure doesn't uh, actually uh, generate accountability. So there's a trust mm. and there's a CEO of the trust. Now trust is very big and trust has smaller hospitals. But what's actually happening in terms of the rota, in terms of the rota in pediatrics, now she was triple covering and her consultant, Riordan, was actually giving a conference uh, at a, a different city. Mm. So he wasn't even in the city, let alone the hospital. Mm. So what but there's nobody that's there's no small accounting unit that's a, that's uh, you know that says hey look you can't do this now in radiology we have an accounting unit but I, I'm giving you the example of my uh, specialty my department in uh, at Penn that and that is like a very kind of you know uh, small unit and you can't do stuff without somebody being held accountable right so my boss is accountable for my behavior his boss is accountable for his behavior and so on and so forth. Whereas you don't have that sort of, you know, Purkinje cell type of division in the NHS. There's the CEO of the trust. Now, a lot of people are blaming um, Jeremy Hunt, mm -hmm. you know, Hunt. Uh, but Who, by the way, played our EHR State of Mind video at one of his press conferences as an <laughs> example of what not to do in tech. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he gets a little bit of bad press. I, I think, you know, he's probably not that bad a chap. Mm. Um, but what, how is Hunt going to deal with emergency uh, pediatric uh, ER rotors um, in, in a hospital in Leicester. 
you need to have local accountability. Mm. And, and, the, and the tragedy of this whole uh, Bawagarwa situation uh, is that nothing is going to improve. There is no message to the local boards that you need to have local accountability. No accountability, yeah. Now, if the, NH, the, if the trust was held responsible, if the CEO had lost his job, or, well, you know, not, maybe not that dramatic, but something more accountable than they were, then the CEO would have actually had the incentive to say to the pediatric departments, not just there in other countries, look, when somebody comes in February, which is, you know, like the July effect over here, mm -hmm. or July, and uh, comes after 13 months of maternity leave, and as a house officer and a senior house officer, both of whom do not know what they're doing, can you just make sure that we kind of expand the um, resources and maybe get a locum or a moonlighter? If, mm. Or you know, make sure there are more than one, more than one person. Look for these, you know, look for these zones where there, there could be mistakes, right. and let's populate uh, physicians. But there's no incentive to do that. It's a basic root cause analysis. Where did the system fail? Was right. it multiple? Was it a Swiss cheese event where all the failures aligned? In this case, it seems like there were a few things that fell apart. Right. But to blame her exclusively in a criminal right. way is crazy. And the nurse, the nurse as yes. well, yes. who was there uh, underwent a lot of. Uh, um, she, she went through a criminal process as well. Right, and yeah. uh, she regrettably didn't have the support of her union to the mm. extent that Dr. Barbagarwa has from mm. physicians. I don't know why. Um, I suppose physicians tend to feel, uh, tend to empathize because we kind of see ourselves in a similar situation. Mm -hmm. Now, the nurse was an agency nurse, so I don't think she was even a pediatric nurse. Mm. I think she was an adult nurse that got brought in. Mm. So, you know, when it comes down to the National Health Service, I mean, you've got a big problem, yeah. which is funding. And, and unless they actually, unless they stop congratulating themselves for 9% of the GDP and say, okay, you don't have to be the American way, 18%, but maybe 12 to 13%, you might just yeah. consider Bump spending a bit a more. Yeah. And get a better, a better right. service, really. Yeah. Better outcomes for everybody. I, you know, and I think what really resonated with me on, on this piece is, first of all, you have straddled both worlds, and you're right, the American residents may have it better in many ways, right, uh, than their British counterparts, but seeing the sort of suffering of my British uh, trainee counterparts was really remarkable. I got so many messages when I'd read your article, I talked about it on my show, I took a stance, and then to see the outpouring of finally someone is talking about this publicly. There are people doing it, but they don't have a big platform. So the question is, do these big platforms, like if we talk about it on this show, did it actually, you think, accomplish anything for Dr. Bawagarba and the cause in general? You would mentioned earlier, you don't think anything's gonna change, but has it changed for her at least? I think it does make a huge difference, mm. although it's very hard to quantify. Mm. Um, and certainly a lot of the physicians that I spoke to in the UK were very grateful for your uh, mentioning the, the case because it amplified the message and got it across. And, and there is something to be said about Americans saying, hey, look, yeah. <laughs> you're not doing things right. It's kind of, you know, it's sort of like salt to the wound. Mm. It's okay for the French to criticize you, but it's not okay for the Americans <laughs> to criticize you. Although, it is really, never okay for the French to criticize us. Right, Logan? Freedom fries. Freedom fries. Uh, freedom mm -hmm. fries. Freedom doors. That's right. <laughs> So I, I, think it, I think it made a difference. It's hard for me to prove, but one good thing that has come is that Dr. Gar uh, Bawa Garba has an appeal yes. sometime in July. Um, and the mere fact that she has an appeal shouldn't be discounted. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very difficult in, in the UK to go against courts. You know, the, the Brits love their institutions. Yeah. They love the monarchy. They love their institutions. And, and, and who knows what might come of it? I mean, I think that if you can't reverse the manslaughter decision, then perhaps it may be time for a royal pardon. 
can, do you think um, can Meghan Markle do the par pardon? Because that would be pretty cool. Uh, I'm American. not quite sure how how the uh, dynamics work, but uh, certainly Her Majesty the Queen can do it, mm. and um, perhaps it's something useful the British monarchy can do. After all, it may in fact save the National Health Service in some bizarre way. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> doon, 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 doon. Beatles. <laughs> Learn about it, Brit guy. So, you know, honestly, again, I'm deeply grateful to you because you bring a transatlantic perspective to this problem. You're a physician, you trained in surgery and radiology, which my wife did medicine and radiology, so we have something in common there. You're named after my uncle Saurabh, uh, which is also very important. But the idea that you, through the power of being a physician, making a public stance in written form on the healthcare blog, could actually trigger a conversation on this show and then trigger actual maybe potential change, uh, is uh, first of all a testament to your courage, but second of all a testament to how all of us on the front lines of healthcare, whether we're academics or uh, scientists or in industry, need to stand up and take a stance when it matters, because our voice matters because people still take us seriously. And they should, because we actually have experience. So I want to thank you, Dr. Saurabh Jha. Thank you very much. For bringing this to the fore, for coming on the show, from flying all the way from UPenn. You did a hike in the Grand Canyon or something, right? Yes, South Kaibab Trail. It was oh. halfway down, and then I had to come back. They, they were going to airlift you, weren't they? I know. This is dehydration. <laughs> the look on my face. By the way, a lot of great meth labs in Arizona. If you ever want a tour, oh, thank you. I can set you up. <laughs> Dr. Jaw, we out! Listen, I gotta say, I don't see the problem with junior doctors, because it's like, you know how the, the interns run the White House here? And we all know how well that's working out. It's time to make Britain great again, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I hate you so much, Tom Heineberg. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.